This episode of TripCast is brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Texas, a local company that understands the importance of a healthy community. That's why Blue Cross is a founding sponsor of Million Mile Month, a community challenge to achieve 1 million miles of activity this April. Register today at millionmilemonth.org. Texas talking, oh, what was that that you said? Texas talking, oh, gonna hoop upside your head. Texas talking, tell me who can you trust when Texas guys are Hi, this is Tom Michael, the general manager of Marfa Public Radio, where we're celebrating 10 years on the air here in far west Texas, broadcasting to tens of thousands of people and even more cattle. When we launched Marfa Public Radio 10 years ago, there was Evan Smith, one of our original board members. So I am glad to see that he's keeping busy with the Texas Tribune. I'm here to welcome your host for this podcast, Emily Ramshaw. Thank you. This is Emily Ramshaw here with the TribCast for the third week of April and my first full week back from maternity leave. I'm joined by executive editor Ross Ramsey. What was your name again? Evan Smith. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Reporter Morgan Smith. Hello. And reporter Terry Lankford. Hi. And Terry just noted this is like the first majority female uh, TribCast in many, many moons. Probably... Since before, or certainly before I was on leave, right? What? Somebody out there that? is probably keeping stats. It's It was January of 2012. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, uh, Evan, meanwhile, is off gallivanting in West Texas. He's, you know. Spent the night in Marfa at the at some designer storefront. He, he was, was in a really teepee at El Cosmico. He was not. <laughs> <laughs> He's just hanging out there. He's got a pretty uh, a pretty sweet gig. Evan Smith, West Texas Junkets. All right, well, it's been a rocky week for some of Texas's top elected officials. Uh, Ag Commissioner Sid Miller, AG Ken Paxton, and Governor Greg Abbott in no particular order. Um, so let's take them in turn. Let's start with Paxton, who's been under legal fire. His condition worsened, it seems like, this week, Morgan. Um, what What happened? Yeah, the Federal Securities and Exchange Commission filed a civil lawsuit against Paxton for uh, behavior or conduct related to the um, financial fraud that he's already been under investigation and faces three felonies for. Criminal. Those are criminal. And those are criminal Mm -hmm. at the state level. So this was something that, you know, while is you know, arguably less serious than what he faces at the state level, just brought all kinds of renewed attention, another negative headline um, for Paxton, and I think also kind of brought additional national interest in what's going on with his case. So if the SEC is bringing charges, they're charges, right? Yeah, it's a civil civil fraud 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 charges, right. So if the SEC is now doing it, I mean, does that sort of seem to like add credence to the criminal charges or are these two very separate things? I think it's hard to say. I mean, I think Paxton's attorneys have kind of have presented this as, oh, the SEC is just coming behind and mopping up what the state did not um, get. You know, this is something that can happen when you have a criminal investigation, a criminal trial happening. The SAC will sometimes investigate and say, okay, they're actually, you know, there could be wrongdoing here that, you know, is something that we could also pursue. Um, But, you know, it's something that I think certainly contributes just 
to the fact that this is a serious situation for Paxton and he's going to need some you know serious legal power to to help get himself out of it. Could he get um, pinged on the civil charges without proving the criminal charges? In other words, if the SEC is right, then the criminal charges are right, too, right? I mean, I think it's a different it's a different um, threshold of evidence. So for a civil case, you have um, um, preponderance of the evidence for a criminal case. It's beyond a reasonable doubt. So remember O.J. Simpson. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, I think and these are separate. These are separate she just on separate. Legal to OJ <laughs> Everybody catch that? <laughs> wow. I mean, I think that's how we all learn. Between, yeah. That's the way. Right. As a child that I differentiated between civil, civil and criminal. So I was in high school. I wasn't a child. As a um, teenager, we watched the white Bronco chase in our classroom. Okay, stop. <laughs> Terry just fainted. Stop. Stop. Um, yeah. Sorry, Morgan. No, that's all right. Um, yeah. So this is just something that it's just it's just not a good thing, I guess, for I mean, Paxton to have to face know, Paxton, this additional. Paxton I mean, has this layer cake of problems. I mean, he's got the political problems that are obvious. You know, you're the AG and you're under these charges. Discuss, right? You've got the legal problems, obviously, and then you've got this problem we've talked about of paying for all of this. It cost Rick Perry $2 million or thereabouts to prove that he didn't deserve to be indicted for a veto that involved the Travis County DA's office. So Ken Paxton's looking at the same sort of financial situation, except he can't use campaign funds and he can't use state funds because these all happened in his private life, and giving him money for a legal defense fund unless you do it really carefully, constitutes bribery. Right. It's a mess. So, and he's seen some pretty high-profile departures from his office, right? Yeah, I mean, he's almost his entire um, top level of staff has turned has turned over um, in recent months. And um, Paxton, you've seen Paxton turn to um, some of the top conservative lawyers at out of the Liberty Institute, which I believe is now Liberty First Institute, um, not Liberty Second. Not Liberty Second. <laughs> um, that have come in and um, taken over these top level positions, but these are these are people that are. Um, this is Institute Conservative Legal Foundation based out of Plano, um, and they've been with Paxton kind of from the beginning, from when he start uh, he first ran for state rep um, in 2003. So this is he. This is kind of. I think you know Paxton world has gotten a little bit more insular, and um, you know perhaps that means even more control for him over there at the did, AG's office. Did any of those folks who departed from his office? So, so it's Chip Roy who went to work for a Cruz PAC, correct? Super right. PAC. Went from Ted right. Cruz to Ken Paxton, and then to a Cruz PAC. Right, uh, and then Allison Castle um, ditched out too. I mean, was there any evidence that these folks were leaving because of this particular issue, because of these legal challenges, or not publicly? Uh, you know, publicly, everybody's sort of saying, you know, I want to spend more time with my family, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> you know, I'm going yeah. to Disney World. Right. Um, you know, the there was obviously sort of a, a, a struggle inside the agency over focus. It's hard to, in the middle of all of these legal and political and financial problems, get the grips on a big agency like this. This was Paxton's first year in office. He's not situated. Mm -hmm. He hadn't really established it himself. And I think his first assistant and his communications team maybe got a little bit ahead of him. Right. wonder what Dan Branch thinks about all this. <laughs> I told you. Yep. <laughs>
Uh, all right. Meanwhile, Sid Miller, the ag commissioner, was hit pretty hard uh, in a series of Houston Chronicle articles over the last week, raising questions about some junkets uh, he appeared to take. Um, uh, Terry, explain that one of them involves a, quote, Jesus shot. Um, the other involves a rodeo competition. Yeah, he likes to travel. Uh, that's <laughs> obvious. Um, uh, the funniest thing about this whole thing, and it shouldn't be funny, is we've got an ag commissioner that's going to much smaller states who ostensibly for meetings, and no one shows up to these meetings. I mean, you can't meet with the tech. I mean, it's kind of what has happened is that Sid has traveled to Oklahoma and Mississippi, said he's meeting with officials. Those officials don't know about these meetings in these <laughs> other states, don't show up, and oops. It turns out it was more of a personal nature all along. Um, in the Oklahoma instance, he went up there supposedly to and and did meet. There are pictures uh, that with some surprised uh, ag officials up there. That <laughs> well, it, was, it was legislators. The ag officials oh, didn't meet right. them, right? The, the ag officials met some, didn't show met up. Met some legislators in the hall. Right. right. She right. just showed up at the Capitol. Right. right. Um, Here we are in our cowboy took hats. Took a quick picture but uh it also came out that he's uh he was also up there in the area for what is known as a jesus shot um apparently this is a some sort of injection to help with pain That's it's popular on the rodeo circuit it is popular on you the know where rodeo people circuit. are you know getting, constantly getting all the discs in their back rearranged by being thrown off of cows and horses didn't, and Red, didn't rick perry get some sort of, his wasn't called a jesus shot but he got a stem cell injection in his back Right. Anyway, lots of state Republican officials get injections in their backs. Speaking of rodeo, there's a trip to Mississippi uh, to participate in a rodeo. Um, apparently, last February, uh, the, the uh, Sid Miller went to Mississippi again to meet with some ag officials allegedly who, who didn't show up. And well, did, were they even scheduled? I mean, that's that's really the we've question. We've been trying to figure wh- whether yeah. there was whether you know that's an explanation after the fact or whether. They really were going out. And, and, you know, since I'm going to Mississippi to meet with the ag officials, I think I'll enter a rodeo. Really? Right. Yeah. Which came first, the rodeo or the <laughs> ag meeting? Who knows? Um, and the rodeo there is run by the ag commission out there. So, And um, he actually won a little dough in that rodeo, right? A little pocket money to come back <laughs> with, about 800 bucks. So what the hell is he thinking? There's a lot of growing pains over there at the department. Well, on both these trips, he initially he initially charged the state and then said, "Oops, my bad," and and paid the sort state of. back. Sort, sort of. of. Um, on How's the second work? trip, well, there's different narratives there. Um, the first narrative that came out that was told to us was that uh, he went there. Uh, this it, is the Mississippi trip. The Mississippi trip, and that it was a staffer's mistake who booked it as business. And when they realized it was personal, he paid it back. And the payback's strange, too. It's like $1,000 from campaign funds and about 15 bucks from his on a personal check. But even if he had been, let, like, let's say it had been a mistake, which we now know it wasn't a staffer's mistake, but let's say it was, why would a staffer be making his personal travel arrangements? Well, anyway? we have a staffer that's that's booking through the state. I mean, I, I can mm-hmm. see it, an assistant, an exec, you know, some sort of... Not for a personal trip. No, not for a personal trip, no. Well, right. If right. it's a personal and, and trip and, and I'm going to rodeo, I'm doing my out-of-state redneckery, and I'm and I'm going to go to Oklahoma <laughs> or Mississippi or whatever. <laughs> right. I'm not. You know. I'm not planning. You know, Evans' getaways to Destin, Florida. That this is correct. 
So, all right. So, but then, so the narr- that was the narrative they told us through. And then a week later, Sid Miller told uh, told the Chronicle that, oh no, it was a business trip that was set up to meet with these officials, and then when they didn't show up. I decided to pay for it later. So the same scenario kind of, that he but presented look, as, right. yeah. It's a little different. Yeah, yeah. I, I hardly ever show up when I don't have an appointment. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Especially in another state. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, okay, is any of this, look, we've got Paxton in legal trouble. Is any of this um, illegal? You know, potentially. I mean, you know, it depends on... I like how everyone looks to Ross. Yeah. He's yeah. Yeah. Make, yeah. Him, make him say it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, potentially if he used state resources or state funds for personal um, benefit, or if he benefited, you know, the the award in the rodeo contest comes into play here. If he, if he used state funds in some way and actually had a profit um, and came back, you know, with some money, um, potentially. I don't know if, you know, the state of the Travis County DA and state funding and ethics and all of that. I don't know if they, if there's anybody, I'm not sure who would prosecute this and, and where it goes, but there are some calls for investigations. A couple of papers, the Star-Telegram, the, the San Antonio Express News, um, and maybe a couple of others have said, you know, uh, investigators ought to look at this and see what's going on over there. Well, he also doesn't have a whole lot of great friends over in the legislature anymore, does he? I mean, it was a pretty rocky session, as far as I recall. You've got this You've got this situation where, you know, um, we have a little trouble in the family here, and your little brother has messed up, but this doesn't go outside the House. And none of the Republicans in Texas have really said anything about either Paxton or Miller. You know, if this was a Democrat, they'd be all judgy about it. Uh, the Democrats are so small in Texas Nobody's really listening, listening to them. Listening to their judginess. Yeah. So, so you know the um, the pressure on Miller, if there is any, is all private. No, nobody said you know you don't have a governor or a lieutenant governor or anybody else saying you know we ought to do something about this. But unlike Paxton, didn't Miller get crosswise with his own party during the legislative session? He asked for fifty million dollars for the ag department. And the legislature said you haven't proved you need it, and they gave him some money, but not all of that. He responded by raising fees on a bunch of um, right. services, agricultural the... services and licenses and things, and um, you know really angered a lot of his constituency at the ag commission. So you know he's um, you know intentionally or unintentionally cutting off a lot of the people that might be backing him right now. Mm-hmm. So the people who might ordinarily jump to the defense of an ag commissioner are still in their chairs. And uh, Sid Miller also lost a high-profile staffer this week, Terry, right? Uh, that's right. Uh, Lucy Nash, who used to work for Governor Perry. Uh, she was in on the Perry's presidential, presidential campaign. campaign. She was in his office at the governor's, you know, in the governor's office for a long time. Um, yeah. Communications director. Right. right. And, she res- and she put in a resignation on Monday. Um, well thought of uh, staffer around the Capitol. Um, Hadn't been there for very long. Five but, months. Yeah, but said cited what, like, <laughs> irreconcilable differences? No. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> exactly, and nothing more. What we have here is a failure to communicate, she more or less said. <laughs> right. Know? It's because they're telling so many stories. It's just get right. your story straight, and if you're the spokesperson for an agency like that, and you're the one who's supposed to say, here's what happened, here's what went on here, here's what we have to say about it, and 
then the story shifts out from under you. You're in an right. untenable position, and you have to decide whether to stay or keep your reputation. Totally. I mean, and I think obviously she erred on the side of protecting her own reputation here, but she was told, you know, it sounds like she was told one thing, came out and told, you know, told us in an interview what she'd been told to say, and then her boss goes and has his own interview with another, you know, news organization where he says a contradictory Completely tale. something right. different, right. yeah. So I'd get out too, but... But it is interesting right now that we have, you know, all of Team Perry, all these people from Team Perry, you know, Chip Roy and Allison Castle, who were over at Paxton's office, and now Lucy Nashid, who is at the uh, at the Ag Commission, you know. Kind of running for the hills. Yeah, one, one of the <laughs> things, though, about that is, you know, if, if you're a governor for 14 years, almost everybody in the Republican infrastructure is at some point or another part of Team Perry. That's I suppose that's true. But mm-hmm. this seems like sort of interesting timing for, for all these folks. Um, Ross, there's a line from your column this week where you said that Miller is becoming a, quote, self-made stooge, a political Superfund site. I mean, is there any way out of this for need, him? Need I say more? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask you to. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's got to write this, and he's got to, you know, he has to rebuild trust and convince everybody that they ought to back him politically and as a policy matter, you know, and we've already talked about the legislature sort of sideways with him on policy. The fee hikes didn't go well in the industry. The cupcakes. Yeah, the cupcakes. The He's gotten more press, good and bad, in one year than all of his predecessors combined. Rick Perry, <laughs> Susan Combs, Todd Staples. What's the good press? Well, I mean, you know, some people like what he's done with, you know, let's let's open up this this cupcake thing. Let's, you know, mm-hmm. um, some relax like some the of these fryers. regulations. Yeah, yeah. the deep fryers. Yeah, I mean, some of that stuff Everybody is popular. Everybody likes a good French fry. And a lot of the stuff that, you know, um, that he's done, you know, the people who elected him, it's like, you know, that's, that's the Sid we elected. Um, some of this is just personality, and you have to separate that out. But he's hurting his credibility, he's hurting the agency's credibility, and he's got some real problems to fix here. You know, first one is, you know, you have to get past all of these calls for investigation. The second one and the most important one is you have to change your behavior so this stops being the storyline. Right. And I think the difference between when you look at Paxton and when you look at Sid Miller, when you look at Miller, he's done actual things that could possibly anger the base and anger kind of conservative grassroots with um, the budget for the agency, the fee hikes. With Paxton, it's you know, he's still very much kind of this champion of um, religious conservatives with his lawsuits, and he hasn't done anything in office except for kind of stand up for what they wanted him to do. And so it's much easier, I think, for someone who's in the conservative grassroots to look at Paxton and be like, well, that's just a political thing. They're going after him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Whereas Miller, you kind of look at him and you're like, huh, why is he doing all the, these huh. things, yeah. you know, on top of yeah, kind of misusing these... taxpayer right, money? Is right, he... right. If, yeah. You know, this is a small sample size, maybe a dozen office holders. But if you go up to Republican office holders and say, what's going on with your party? Almost none of them say, well, we got to do something about Paxton. Almost all of them, you know, in that sample, you know, conversationally have said, I don't know what we're going to do about Sid Miller. Right. He's, he's, he's sort of the bleeding edge here. All right, well, what are we going to do about child welfare in Texas? So Governor Abbott has installed another set of people at the helm of, uh, of the Child Welfare Agency after more than a year of working to get things right. Um, Ross, what spurred this latest move? You know, the, the headline on this one is, um, I'm going to mess up the name. I can't remember the little girl's name, the Her, four-year-old in oh, Grand Prairie, um, who was beaten to death while she should have been on the watch list and under close scrutiny of 
Child Protective Services. The caseworker who has moved on, I don't know, fired or quit or both, you know, some kind of combination of that, had 70 cases on his desk. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just ridiculous. It's largely a question. If you have 70 cases on your desk and you're a caseworker, it doesn't excuse anything at all in any way. Right. But how are you supposed to be monitoring? You're looking at that and you're saying, which of these cases am I going to blow? Right. Or which, you know, dozens of these cases am I going to blow? They're they're Mm -hmm. just, you can't do that. So we have an overtaxed system and a very, very high profile failure. And this is a persistent kind of recurring problem in both child protective services, adult protective services, and some other um, programs at the Health and Human Services mm-hmm. Commission. And it's an agency that's been you know, knocked around um, the child protective services and, and the Department of uh, Family and Protective Services have been knocked around for years. A lot of their problems can be traced to you know, you're kind of running these in the red line. You know, when they walk into a budget hearing and they say, we need this many people to do the job you have assigned us, and the legislature says, well, you only get this much money, you have to decide how to fail. And when you get a prominent failure, it becomes a political problem. And now we've got a political response from a governor and, you know, rightly from a governor and from a lieutenant governor and from a speaker. Greg Abbott, um, got into this very, very quickly when he got into office. Apparently the... Yeah, he sort of saw the writing on the wall here, I think. Well, you know, uh, Edgar Walters on our staff uh, got a hold of some of the governor's emails on this, and this started to pop up in the... Um, Terry was involved in writing this stuff, too. In the first week of his um, tenure in office, Greg Abbott was, you know, already concentrating some attention on Child Protective Services and on these problems. Here it is, you know, 14 months later... And it's not fixed, so we've got new management over there. He went to the Texas Rangers, kind of inexplicably right. for so the number happening? one. So what's happening? Who's taken over? Um, Hank Whitman, is that right? Right. Uh, former Texas Ranger. I mean, Ross is exactly right. These problems, and Emily, you know this too, this has been going on since the 90s. And some people would say it's been going on since child welfare agencies first began. Um, it's not something Texas likes to fund a lot. I mean, the legislature will say, oh, we gave this, we did this in 06, we reformed this, that, and the other. But it comes down to this. You're not paying child um, child abuse investigators enough to, to deal with a very dangerous situation. Um, you're making 30, something like $38,000. You're, sh- you're responsible for something like a good caseload, although no one likes to see any caseload. You'd like to see 20 or less. I mean, um, for, 70. To get, yeah, God. I mean, 70. But what happens is you're burning out. The turnover is horrible. And where do those cases go? To your neighbor's desk. Right. So that's how that caseworker inherited so many cases, the mm-hmm. turnover. Mm-hmm. So the number two in the agency's actually got 17 years experience in, Correct. in, in all of this. Thought, um, right? they've, they've changed some other people. You know, you can, um, it may be that they need a big change at the, in the org chart. That may be part of the problem. But part of the problem is that they need, you know, legislative support and clear mission. I mean, it comes down to, in some ways, if you're not going to, for perfectly good reasons, if you're not going to spend as much money as you need to to do the things that you said you're going to do, then you need to promise less. And you need to say, well, listen, we're just going to let this part go wrong and this part go wrong because we're not going to pay for it. you got to be honest about it, and the legislature has never been honest about it. I mean, this is a resource question at the end of the day, is it not? Of course. Right. And you can more caseworkers. You you don't have to spend more money. You can cut your standards. Decide. 
Yeah, right. Well, so CPS also ended up in the, or DFPS ended up in the headlines uh, this week over a different case, another high-profile case. This was the UT Austin um, homicide, correct? I mean, they correct. were tangled up in this this failure, too. And and Edgar's, um, Edgar Walters is digging into that right now. Um, one thing that... Uh, a lot of people don't think about when they think about foster care is where these kids go once they age out. Aging out is a tremendous problem across the country. Um, and when children are 16, 17, 18, you know, some of them have been in this system since, as, as the case is um, in this case, um, since fifth grade. They're not thinking about college. They're thinking about getting out. And so you're going to see a runaway problem. This, and this, ca- this case, by the way, is the, the homicide at UT of the young woman, Haruka Weiser. Weiser. So, right. And uh, Mikhail Kreiner is the suspect in custody now, and he has an extensive DFPS uh, history. He's been in foster care, from what we can tell, since fifth grade, um, on and off. He... he might possibly be intellectually challenged. Um, we're hearing reports from family members that he was. Um, he has been going between family and foster care. He ran away. He was reported as a runaway on March 24th out of Colleen. Um, he's had kind of a troubled history in this last year. He had just turned 17. He was busted for shoplifting up in Segoville. So this is you know, where do these kids go? Uh, a lot of them end up in your homeless population, and that's what happened here. Right. Mm-hmm. And procedurally, they followed, followed a lot of procedure, right? So he went missing in March. They're supposed to file a report with the police. They did. They did. The police basically don't have time or resources to chase all of those. Right, and there's supposed to be a conversation happening between the police and DFPS, and we're still trying to get exactly how that conversation went. But from what we can tell, once the police found him and found him here in Austin, they, you know, DFPS was on the scene also and CPS um, because they had the report from March 24th. Right. Hmm. Well, just I want to transition quickly, uh, keeping on the, the topic of this this UT homicide. Uh, Terry, you've been writing a bunch this week about the sort of town gown drama that has erupted over, you know, whether there are too many homeless people in or around the UT Austin campus, whether, you know, the drag, the, which is Guadalupe Street in Austin, needs to be cleaned up. What What's sort of the fallout from this? What kind of what kind of reaction are you seeing and what kind of records are you are you finding? Um, I, I, I think what's going to happen, I mean, the, it, honestly, anyone who went to UT or has lived in Austin any amount of uh, time, the drag's always been an issue. The drag has always looked, you know, not, you know, it's not chamber of commerce over there. It's also not <laughs> unusual around a major exactly. college campus, campus in I mean, an urban yeah, area. You walk through Berkeley no, or Ann Arbor. Berkeley, right. USC, yeah. you know. Yeah, Seattle. Um, yeah. You know, anywhere. The thing that's happening here... Maybe not Wellesley. <laughs> Wellesley's very suburban. <laughs> but what you are seeing is more, you know, we've got parents who can hit social media pretty darn fast um, and are in contact a little bit more with um, their kids at UT. And they're able to find out about security issues in their private dorms or apartments surrounding West West um, Campus. A couple of things that have happened that are really interesting to me. I mean, Austin has mushroomed tremendously in the last few years, and so has West Campus. And you've got two police forces here, UTPD and APD, whose staffing have not kept up 
right. with um, the growth here. So I think you're going to see that uh, come up in the DPS review that's, that uh, President uh, Fenves has asked for. Um, one of the things they're going to be looking at, because I talked to someone yesterday about this, is security cameras on campus, um, whether we're going to see a more uniform effort to police it with cameras on that campus. Um, well, there's also a privacy fight against that, right? There's a little bit of a, a, a privacy on that, and but it takes a subpoena to get a hold of some of that, even for UTPD, to get a hold of camera video from UT to look at it. And that's what happened in this incident. What's interesting is everybody should be thanking their lucky stars they were able to get the video because the athletic department had cameras around the stadium area. To protect that, the stadium. And that's what captured um, the oh, video Texas. on the suspect. Um, you know, Where your treasure is, there shall yeah. be your heart. There's a lot. Well, you know, honestly, the cameras are there to, you know, watch the buildings, the parking garages. Yes, to, they're there for security, but they're a lot to protect that, you know, the investment of the buildings over there. Bevo. Bevo. Got to protect Bevo. All right. Well, if you have questions or comments, you can email them to tribcast at texastribune.org. You can also sign up for Tribcast alerts at texastribune.org slash tribcast. We'd like to thank Shiny Ribs, as always, for doing our music. And on behalf of Ross, Morgan, Terry, and our producer, John, this is Emily. Thanks for listening. Texas talking. I don't think I've yeah. ever seen that. Wow. Kind of awesome. Everybody wrote something this week. <laughs>